Welcome to the Oklahoma Drill. This is our season roundup episode. Recap, roundup, whatever. It's uh, it's Alex and Ryan with you, along with recurring special guest, Sam Davis. I'm here. And we're ready. Let's, I don't know, what do we want to start with? Um, well, if, in case you guys were wondering why this came so late, it was just, it was hard to coordinate with... Our special guest. Yeah, I had, I had two teeth removed yeah. from my mouth. And yeah. so I have two extra holes there now. I don't yeah. I don't think doing a podcast after getting teeth removed is, is the ideal yeah. situation. See, the issue is that the takes start to leak out of the new they, holes. <laughs> that's right. Um, and they don't get picked up by the mic because it goes out to the side. So, yeah. Wouldn't have been good. Um, Just real quick, before we get into Oklahoma football. Yeah. Have y'all watched Trey Young lately? Oh my goodness, I'm so glad this, we're talking about this. I mean, this, this could ta- turn into an OU basketball podcast yeah. in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, basically yeah, should, yeah, probably. Yeah. Welcome to the suicide drill. Um, <laughs> but see, here's the deal about Trey Young. When we were watching the TCU game yesterday, I'm the type of fan, I literally had no words watching him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just put my hands on my head and was in disbelief of the things yeah. he does. Yeah. No, he it's was, insane. He was unreal. I mean, he hit ten threes, and like I think all of them were pretty heavily contested. Yeah, and the the other eight were equally ridiculous and yeah. had a high percentage of going in. Right. Yeah. You just you never feel bad about him taking a shot. Yeah. And that's just that's crazy. He is just so good, yeah. um, and it has su- been such a just a genuine yeah. blessing to for be able for to all see the complaints play. we have yeah. about OU athletics the past. Three years especially, we yeah. have been blessed beyond belief. Yeah. I mean... We've gotten to see Baker Mayfield. We've gotten to see Buddy Heald. We've, now we get to see Trey Young. We got to see two plays of Kyler Murray. Two know? whole plays of Kyler so, Murray. So... Yeah. I am very jealous of the people whose freshman year was 2015. Yeah. Because then their freshman year was Buddy. Then the, you had two years of Baker plus mm-hmm. a year of Trey Young. And yeah. then you get a year of Kyler Murray. They, they really don't understand. Like, I came in to OU as a freshman in 2014, and I think we were all truly humbled by the 2014 yeah. football season. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, I came in in the Landry. <laughs> me and Maxie both came in in the Landry Jones in, era. Yeah. The late 1990s. Uh, the, yeah, 1999. <laughs> we came in with Bob Stoops. Yeah. And, um, Nate Hibble and the boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nate Hibble and the boys running them out again. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, <sighs> what we came on this podcast to do is talk about the 2017 OU football season as a whole. Which I don't think, you know, at, regardless of how it ended, it was, you know, heartbreaking. But I don't think anyone could look at this season as a failure. Um, it was you know, definitely not. another Big 12 championship. Yeah. Um a third, like a third Big Twelve championship in a row. That's really big. Yeah, like that doesn't happen very often. No, in like any conference. We're like that's as many in a row as Alabama won. Like yeah, in the big in the SEC in the mm-hmm. big SEC. You know, as yeah. it's called. Um. Yeah. So no, it's the run continues. I mean, and it was obviously a success for Lincoln Riley as a first year head coach. Like I think. Yeah. The day that Bob Stoops announced his retirement, if you had said that this was going to be the result of the first season, I think 90% of OU fans would have been like, okay, that's a pretty good first year for a new coach. Yeah, no, I would have said that that was really optimistic. but Yeah, for I mean, sure. We, he, I mean, we have a marquee win over mm-hmm. Ohio State. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, well, let's start with that. Like, obviously, you know, the biggest games of the season, you know, it started off, you know, Ohio State, which biggest game of the year probably. You know, and it was in the second game and just on the road in Columbus. And, I mean, we really just kind of shocked the world. Yeah. You know, because I don't think any of us expected to win that game, right? Uh, I no. didn't. No, I, I was really, really, really excited after, like, the end of the first half when, uh-huh. like, we hadn't scored any points. But I was right. like, no, we look good, though. So I'm okay yeah. with this loss now. Yeah, no, we just, from a physical standpoint and from a talent standpoint, just looked like we were in the ballpark with them. Like, last yeah. year, in 2016, they were just, like, they were on a different level from us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this year, it looked like we were at least playing the same game. And so that was exciting. And then Baker Mayfield just kind of took over in the yeah. second half. But um, that was awesome. You know, the Texas game was, I would say, interesting. Oh, that was... I, we were talking about that earlier. I forgot that it was so close. Yeah. I forgot that we were losing at right. the end when we took the lead. Yeah, no, we... Because we got up super... We got a great start to the game, mm-hmm. like 20-3, yeah. to three, I think we got up. That's kind of how that chunk of the season went. It was a lot of uh, great starts to yeah. the game. And then, for me personally, it just felt like Lincoln let off the gas and got really conservative after we would get off to those great starts. Right. And there, like one thing would happen that would give them momentum. Yeah. And we just couldn't catch back up yeah. fast enough. I think there's a few instances of Lincoln, like once we would get up to a good start, like even not necessarily going conservative, but just like going for like the knockout blow. Right. And then when that failed, having to like back it down. Mm-hmm. No, I think the Baylor game was a perfect example of that. Like he even said it, he like, because everything we were doing was working, mm-hmm. and he was just like, okay, we're going to do an onside kick here for yeah. whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just, like, playing the game, you know, the normal way that was working well up to yeah. that point. But, yeah, that was that was a weird chunk of the season that unnecessarily stressful. Obviously, the, you know, the low point of the season, you know, you're looking at the Iowa State game. Yeah, like, absolutely. That was a perfect, like, we got out to a great start, perfect first drive. Were we up 14 to nothing in that game? Yeah, yeah. I think so. And I think we were up 17-3 at one point, mm-hmm. and then it just, the second half went bad. Yeah, it absolutely did. <laughs> and even during that game, and I felt it during the whole season, really, as much as we have talked bad about our defense and will continue to, I still felt, confident during that game which is a false confidence but that our offense could not be stopped and that when even when you know something didn't work when Lincoln tried to go for the knockout blow and we had to try and get back into it I always felt like this offense when they want to score they will yeah and we just had that game had a few had the turnover Uh, in the red zone had the missed field goal goal. No, it was it was just like a weird. There were so many things that had to happen negatively Absolutely. for us that did. Yeah, and that was that was why we lost that game. In and a super close. Fashion. Really, until the like Alan Lazard catch, I was pretty confident that we would still win. Like yeah. until that mm. happened. Well, even then, I was like, oh, we still have Baker. Yeah. The problem with that at that point is you know CD was hurt. Mm-hmm. We didn't really have any established receivers. That was before the Hollywood Brown era. Yeah, that was also before the Rodney Anderson thing became yeah, a thing. Ro- yeah, before Rodney Anderson became freaking Bo... I'm blanking. Scarborough? No, Bo, Jackson. Oh, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm blanking on the most famous <laughs> yeah. like Bo yeah. ever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, before he became Bo Jackson, like it was, we just didn't have the playmakers on that last drive to get the job done. But 
Uh, you know, then I guess you got to look at Bedlam. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, what a man! I just the thing I remember about all of these games we've talked about is just how emotionally exhausting they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bedlam was rough. Yeah, that Bedlam was the game that <coughs> I really start like because you you and I were both really high on the offense all year. Yeah, and we just felt like we were lacking a little bit in terms of finishing drives and stuff. Yeah, but if we got those things ironed out, we were just going to be unstoppable. Yeah, I think we made a podcast predicting something to that effect. Yeah, I think it was after the Baylor game. Yeah, and um, after that Bedlam game, I was like, "Yeah, this offense has it figured out." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, sixty-two points. Um, the defense made some timely plays, but overall looked just hopeless. Yeah. And see, the thing about having the bad defense is that. Heisman Baker Mayfield doesn't get to throw for six hundred yards without it's an true. awful defense. It's true. I you know in a lot of maybe that was Mike Stoops' plan this year. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna get Baker the Heisman. Yeah. This is my Mike Stoops voice. It's incredibly accurate. <laughs> it's super good, man. I mean, ball control, eighteen pass attempts a game, two hundred yards. That doesn't get Baker Mayfield a Heisman. Nope. Mike's like, I gotta be in a shootout every week if I'm trying to get <laughs> yeah. my boy yeah. trophies. Well, because you think about the Baylor game in which that wasn't an incredible performance from Baker, but he still he was like 13 of 19. Yeah, he was incredibly efficient. He yeah. was just had like insane yards per pass in that game. Yeah, but I think there was a stat that Shutdown Fullcast brought up in their preview of the Rose Bowl, where it's like, how many times has Baker Mayfield thrown more than 40 passes in a game? And the answer was once. Yep, <laughs> one time. Yeah, that's just not what you would expect. And, you know, back to Baker, like, he he came up just short of, like, the he was less than 100 yards away from the OU, like, school record in a season for passing yards. Mm-hmm. And I think he's finished third, but he did it in, I think, over 300 fewer attempts than Landry mm-hmm. Jones did it whenever yeah. he threw for, like, 4,718 yards. Like, yeah. you know, Baker threw for just over 4,600 on just over 400 pass yeah. attempts. He had another crazy. 70% completion yeah. rate season. like Yeah. And it's weird that he has the this title of a quote-unquote gunslinger. You yeah. don't really think of a gunslinger being the guy that's going to break the pa- the record for passer rating no, twice. You really yeah. don't. Yeah. That's always, to me, the most incredible thing about Baker is that when he scrambles and, like, throws late to the sideline, like, he completes that pass when so frequently with other quarterbacks, that's they're throwing the ball yeah, away. Yeah, just throwing it away. Yeah, for sure. Um, and what's really great about how this podcast is going so far is that... We're just talking were, about Baker Mayfield? That, and we were like... I thought you were going to say that the podcast wasn't recording. Oh, no, no, That no, would have no, been no. bad. That would have been really bad. <laughs> but, like, we were talking about, you want to go back game by game, and then I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. And then that's exactly pretty much what I've done, so... Yeah. Um, well, but not exactly game by game. We yeah. didn't. T- we, we haven't talked about, like, the Tulane game or really any. Though you wanted to talk about a CD catch in the Tulane game, I think. We'll get to that. But... <laughs> um, you know, I think the last couple games that I really want to talk about, because Rose Bowl is just, we've talked all we need to talk about that game. Yeah. I did watch it, however, for the first time. Oh, man, y'all should have seen him. I, thoroughly miserable experience. Yeah. Um, I would not suggest it. If you, for whatever reason, were at the game and haven't watched it on TV, don't do it. If you do stop about 10 seconds left in the second quarter... Yeah, yeah, and then just assume that was that. that Definitely stat don't hold. watch oh. overtime if you'll j- or if you'll just pretend that the game ended after Stephen Parker's touchdown. Yeah, that's a good way to end it. You're fine. Yeah. You're fine. 
Um, I will say, in that game, there were a couple moments where I just laughed out loud at our defense because yeah. it was so inept. Just horrendous. Just as bad as it could have possibly been. Yeah, there were yeah a couple moments good for a laugh, but then you also cry. So yeah, um, would not do that. But I want to talk about the two TCU games because mm-hmm. I don't think there's any greater illustration of how much better we are than this conference right now than mm-hmm. those two games. Yeah, because in both games, like every national person's like, well, Gary Patterson, man, I wouldn't want to have to play against Gary Patterson. That defense is great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, like, and especially with the championship, it's like, yeah. oh man, Gary Patterson twice. How yeah. are you going to do it? You know, Gary Patterson's been in the lab. He probably hadn't talked to anybody. He's just been preparing for this game. And I was just like, I don't care. Like, they can't beat us. Like, <laughs> and it wasn't even close both times. And yeah. Both times our offense, like the great TCU defense had zero answers yeah. for um, at no point in either of those games did I ever feel like we would struggle to score if mm-hmm. even you know if we needed to, um, and in the second half of both games it just was like well this is inevitable and Gary Patterson basically just gave up yeah mm-hmm. you know yeah Gary Patterson knew going into that Big Twelve championship game for sure that they were going to lose that game that's the only reason why he would have been as like much of an ass about that game as he was yeah you know what I mean. Um, I think what spoke to me about the TCU games, and you guys both know, this year I've gotten into sports betting, and so I, I look at the games in a little bit of a different way. And the mm-hmm. first game against TCU, I think we were six-point favorites and mm-hmm. wasn't even close. And then after you know destroying them in Norman, we open up at seven-and-a-half-point favorites mm-hmm. in the Big 12 championship. And I have never felt more confident in a bet than that one right there. <laughs> yeah. That the, I've... You can say that you know you're playing a team twice. Gary Patterson's great, whatever. But if you watch the first game, there's no reason you should have thought that it was gonna be any closer yeah. than it, the yeah. second time around than it was the first time. Like the only way it could have been is like if Baker Mayfield were to play bad, and exactly. that's just not something that was really gonna happen this year. Yeah, no, it was. Man, I just that first TCU game featured a running back mossing a guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, everything we did worked in either one of those games. Yeah. Like, the second half of the first game, like, where everybody talked about how, well, TCU got them figured out. Like, no, we just were like, we got to play these guys in a couple weeks. We're not going to show them anything. Let's just get out of here with no injuries. Yeah. You know? And, and we're, we're planning on talking about the future later, but talking about how everything worked, I'm actually very nervous. I'm excited for the offense next year still. But I'm very nervous that maybe a few times a game something won't work. <laughs> and I am not going to know what to do yeah. when yeah. something doesn't work. Because this <laughs> entire season, like I said, this offense, yeah. arguably the best of all time, just did whatever it wanted, whenever it wanted. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think back to how Landry Jones is viewed in the history of Oklahoma football. And, yeah. like, the dude owns, like all the like total yards records for OU just because he played so much and threw so many passes. Yeah. And he was a good quarterback. Yeah. He's People got maybe my him. favorite job in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Backup quarterback in the NFL. Like, people hated him. Oh, absolutely. I'm worried that that could be Kyler Murray because, you know, people love Sam Bradford mm-hmm. and they not anybody coming after him was going to be in a tough position. I think it's going to be even worse for Kyler Murray yeah. in terms. He's going to have to be really good or 
every yeah. point. Yeah. going to crap all over him all the time. Here is a wild thing I'm about to say. <laughs> Kyler Murray could be better than Baker Mayfield. <laughs> like, I know. But at the same time, it's Kyler Murray. Yeah. I I think... I'm not sure I'm comfortable saying he'll be better than Baker. I'm I not predicting he, it. I'm just saying it's a possibility. It's a possibility. I think Kyler Murray could be the quarterback of an offense that is better than the offense that we just saw. And that's, like, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's... That is wild. Like, but yeah. Like, the talent we're going to have around him is... The way is that only teams will better. have to defend him, yeah. I think, makes it... Yeah. Well, because, like... The zone read was pretty effective for us this year with Baker freaking Mayfield. Yeah. And now Kyler can just take it 60. Yeah. Like, Like when Baker would make reads, it was to keep a defensive end honest. Like, mm -hmm. Kyler Murray is making that read because if there is a mistake on the back end of a play, he could score a touchdown. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just going to, I mean, that's going to open things up so much for Lincoln Riley and play calling. We obviously, Lincoln Riley's a genius in terms Mm -hmm. of just game planning and play calling. You know he is going to have. He's going to put so much pressure on defenses yeah. on every single play with a guy with his kind of wheels. So we're, I mean, we're all really excited about it. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I wouldn't bet on Kyler Murray being better, but I think that offense could be just as good. Yeah. Which is ridiculous because yeah. we're talking about an offense that I still would. I I need Bill Connolly to crunch some numbers and see how it compares to like. All, the great offenses of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because, like, in its era, it's the best one ever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's to the point where it's like, I need to see, I need to compare this to 1945 Army because that's the competition for right. it. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, where are we going now? Do we want to talk about specific, because you want to talk about specific plays that yeah. you remember let's, from this let's, year? Let's talk about our, our highlights of the year in terms of plays. Um, I do not want to start. Okay. Sam, start. I can start with a couple of mine. Talking about sports betting. There were two plays this year. <laughs> both times I it was in the Baylor game and in the Oklahoma State game. So the Baylor game, I'll give my quick story. I had bet on OU to be up by 7.5 after the first quarter. And we had, we're up 14-0. Everything's going great. Going to win a little bit of money. Uh, then we are punting to Baylor, and I'm sitting there watching the games like, okay, as long as they don't take this to the house or have a really good return, I'll be good. They have a decent return, also get 15 yards tacked onto the end of it. There's about 20 seconds left. I'm like, okay, as long as they don't score on this play, I will win my bet. And then they score on this play. And so then I'm very upset. And then to make matters worse, Jeff Bidette fumbles the kickoff, tries to make something happen, gets to the one-yard line, and I am thinking to myself, there's my money down the drain. But then my Lord and Savior, Abdul Adams, comes out, hits the hole, runs 99 yards for a touchdown, and I win a little bit of money. <laughs> and then, fast forward a few weeks later, very similar thing. Um, we were beating Oklahoma State 55-52, to and I've bet on us to win by six points. We were underdogs going into the game, but I bet during the game that we were minus six favorites. Bet on us to win by six. And for on what would be the last play of the game, if, you know, just took just got a first down or something, Trey Sermon 
takes the handoff to the house for another touchdown. I'm freaking out. I'm winning money. He doesn't <laughs> d- take a knee like Samaje. Yeah. He takes I'm it all, all the way about. into the end zone. Yeah, absolutely. And it was those two very insignificant. They're not, you know, Baker Heisman moments, but incredible plays that I probably yelled about the most because I won money. Yeah. And that's the important thing. Exactly. Yeah. God, I'm so glad Trey didn't take any there. Yeah. That's like, um, who's that guy Florida fired this year? Jim McElwain? Jim McElwain. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. That just reminds me of him, like, getting mad and yelling at one of his players for yeah. scoring a touchdown. Yeah. It's like, you can't do that. No. Like, let them score. Yeah, think, I don't care if it's the right move. Thankfully, that was Lincoln Riley's, that yeah. was not Lincoln Riley's response. Uh, do you have yours? Um, yeah, I want to talk about, um, the great Rodney Anderson plays of the latter half of the season. Okay. Um, there's two in particular I'm thinking, or really three in particular I'm thinking of. The first was the one I mentioned a little bit earlier, where Rodney Anderson just mossed a guy against Mm -hmm. TCU. Yeah. Um, made a catch a running back has no business making. Right. It was like... Something you might expect Joe Mixon to do, yeah. but outside of that, you're not seeing that. And it was another back. play where I was as soon as the ball left Baker's hand, I was like, "Why did that? Ha- why did he throw that? He shouldn't have done that." I was very rationally upset because I still I let myself get mad at Baker Mayfield for some reason. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't fully trust. I didn't fully trust at the time. Yeah, yeah. That 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 was a great play. Yeah. And just so you're not talking about the touchdown, you're talking about the one earlier. In the yeah, game. yeah, yeah. Now I'm talking about the touchdown, okay. which is another one where it was just a like a dump off to the flat to Rodney. He breaks one tackle. Yeah. Then there's some more guys ahead of him, and he just drags him into the end zone. It was incredible, and that was like that was like a Samaj P Ryan play. If the other one was like a Joe Mixon play, yeah, that was sure. a very Samaj P Ryan thing to do. Yeah, it was. Um, which is because Rodney Anderson's just incredible. Yeah. Um, and then my third play I'm going to talk about is from the Bedlam game. Um, it's this. It's another just like dump off to the flat. This is. I mean, it's technically a screen um, that Rodney picks it up around the line of scrimmage and starts running with it. And as he's running, I'm like, oh, there's not really anybody in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was. It was the moment when you realize that like a good play is gonna be a touchdown. Yeah. Um, and it just happens so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he jumps over a defender into the end zone. It looks like he jumps about eight yards and then yeah. slides on his back. Yeah, it's incredible. It's an incredibly athletic looking play. Yeah, um, the, so, and you don't really appreciate it until you like see it in like slow motion. Yeah, because yeah, then you get the full like incredible play. Yeah, um, Rodney Anderson was so good in the second half of the year. How like, good was he? <laughs> <laughs> The guy, I, I literally, I've said this so many times on this podcast, going from a player that I thought was a waste of a down. Like, I thought he was a wasted scholarship. I thought he was done. I thought, oh, his injuries, he's never going to amount to anything at OU. And then he became the best running back in the nation. And yeah. he's He gonna, said it. Do what? He said it. Yeah. Best running back in the nation. He did. Yeah. Will... 2018 Oklahoma football's running back situation be better than 2016. See, I was I was gonna ask you guys like if you were gonna rank like compare him to Samaje and Joe like where are you putting him? On I that? think right now just because Samaje had the game against Kansas and has so many yards 
Yeah. And Joe yeah. was incredible, just the things he did. Yeah. And like Rodney Joe. has also been incredible, yeah. don't get me wrong. I think yeah. I would put Rodney slightly behind them because he has the potential for the next yeah. okay. two years, I would think. Like, t- to me, the thing about Rodney Anderson is that it just so, like, his, like, the switch just got flipped so suddenly that it was hard mm-hmm. to, it was difficult to get my bearings on a comparison because I wasn't, like, ready to, I wasn't ready to make this comparison. Yeah. Because, I mean, everything you said at the beginning of the season of, about Rodney, I thought was warranted. Like we yeah. said, there was a play against Ohio State where they opened up a massive hole for him against the Ohio State D-line, and he just dances around, goes yeah. side to side, and doesn't hit the hole and gets two yards. Yeah. yeah. And But then all of a sudden he's rushing for 200 yards a game, and that's just an expectation. Yeah. And he's like two rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns each game. And I'm with Maxi on I. It happened so quickly. I haven't been able yeah. to make a comparison. Yet. I think if he if, if this is the new normal for Rodney Anderson, I think there's you have to consider him as good as those guys or better. I think I'd already take him over Samaj P. Ryan, and the only reason why I wouldn't take him over Joe is because Joe's just more, um, more versatile. Yeah, like we never really got to see the full extent of what Joe Mixon was capable of. Yeah, and. No, for sure, because he was always splitting time. I think Joe Mixon would have done ungodly things. But I think i take Rodney over Samaje. And the reason why, like, we talk about Samaje going for 400 yards and stuff, but um, that 200-yard game against Georgia for Rodney, like, yeah, that's I don't – solidified it. Yeah, I don't – like, Samaje never had a game that good, I don't think, against an elite-level, like, program. Like, yeah. He never played like yeah. that. Um, and you know, really, Joe didn't either. But Joe was incredible against Auburn last year. Yeah. But just in like a different way. Like he did more things. But yeah, I think. I mean, Rodney. I don't know what he's gonna do next year. If I mean, we can find a quality. We will find a quality replacement for Orlando Brown. Like that dude's gonna be running for. A buck fifty probably every week. You know. Yeah. Um. So I'll, I'll go to mine. You know, I have. It's like a weird, just a random play that sticks out in my head. And it just, because it was like my, because I love C.D. Lamb. Huge C.D. Lamb fan. Yeah. We haven't had a receiver like him in a long time. And this play was just kind of like, he pretty much told me that he was going to be as good as I thought he would be. Mm -hmm. And it was just like this weird, random, like, fade route against Tulane. (laughs) Like, we were down in close to our own red zone. And, like, Baker audibles to this just basically a go route where you're just going to throw back shoulder and CD makes the perfect adjustment to it and high points it. And like, I just fell in love with him. Like Mm -hmm. it was just an unbelievable catch. Like just not a play that you see Oklahoma receivers make, you know, it was just like, this guy's a different kind of, of running back. I forgot. I forgot until this moment. And now I'm re angered about it. How many, records CD could have set in that Tulane game. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. If he hadn't been ejected. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, that was horrible. For sh- that, yeah. Maybe that's why he didn't win Big 12 Freshman of the Year. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. No, the, uh, that ejection and then the, um, the record keepers for that award were not the record, as if it's not voted on by right. the media. No, the media members who didn't vote for him were watching the TCU game and thought that it was he, him that got ejected. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Two blemishes. Yeah. They immediately turned off the TV after they yeah, thought they were, CU was getting were. ejected at TCU. Wrote him off. Yeah. Um, I was, whenever I was looking for, because I, I too, 
I'm a fan of just the you know random plays here and there that were just awesome plays. I'm not necessarily yeah. here to talk about all the Heisman moments that have been mm-hmm. elaborated on. But looking at there was a touchdown against Tech that CD caught where yeah. he had the targeting. Uh-huh. On oh him. yeah. Just I don't understand how someone could hold on to the football when while you're getting hit like that. Yeah. When you're receiving an ejectable hit. Like. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. That's incredible. Like. And he was a true freshman this year. Yeah. He's only going to get stronger. He's only going to get better. Um, and that's why I'm so optimistic about what our offense is going to be, just because of the weapons that we have to use. Like, yeah. The quarterback's not going to be asked to like do as much as Baker Mayfield was asked to do because they're going to yeah. have more talent around him. Yeah. Uh, next play, like this is the T- from the TCU game. Mm-hmm. Um. Ryan and I are huge Grant Calcaterra guys. Oh, my goodness. It, it all started... Oh, count me in. Yeah. We're all fans. It all started at the opening. Yeah. Um, he was great at the opening. Um, but his first career touchdown catch um, from Baker Mayfield against TCU in the first half, like, just one of the best throws you will ever see. Absolutely. Um, just... just. Fit, he fitted in over, like, three guys. Yeah. It was, it was one of those plays where it's like that was an NFL pass and an NFL catch. Yeah. Because he just, he put it in the window, just like, it was, and it was like a rising ball that Grant just had to jump up and get. Yeah, and no, incredible. I was probably one of the last ones on the Mark Andrews hype train, just because uh-huh. my big knock on him was always that he couldn't catch over the middle, mm-hmm. and that he was only effective because he was always open, which yeah. I realized is a skill. It is yeah. a skill, yeah. But I've and Grant Calcaterra had a few of the same problems at the beginning of the season that he, yeah. it was hard to catch over the middle because it is you're a freshman coming into college and those yeah. are big guys yeah. coming at you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am could not be more excited for the future of Grant Calcaterra. Yeah, yeah. I, I think am, Kyler might have to go to his high school I, I with was him over. Just about <laughs> to say that I'm really excited for the yearly retreat yeah. to San Luis Obispo. Yes. That needs to happen for sure. Uh, one more play. <clears throat> and, you know, I just I just realized, okay, I'm going to break this down into two, two little plays. Yeah. Both from the Ohio State game. Mm-hmm. Um, the first play, because we can't not mention a Dimitri Flowers play. Because Absolutely. Yeah. It yeah. would just not be this podcast without it. But Dimitri's touchdown over the middle against Ohio State. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. Like, because at that point, I was just like, yeah, we're probably going to lose. Because Ohio State had just gone up 10-3. to mm-hmm. We had blown so many scoring opportunities. Um, I thought we were in a, in a bad situation at that point. But then Dimitri just kind of saved yeah. us. Um, but maybe my favorite play from that game was Trey Sermon's touchdown reception. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what I was, the one I was going to. That's when I really started to believe we were going to win that game. Yeah. You know, I was just like, they don't have an answer. Like, if our quarterback can do that. Yeah. If our like, true freshman running back can catch that yeah. and yeah. still run it into the end yeah. zone. Because, like, the comparison I always make with that is that, that that throw was, like, an acute angle goal in soccer. Right. Yeah. No, for real. The, the degree of difficulty there is just, you probably just have no idea. Until it had a very high potential for a pick six. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> 90 yards to the house. And the thing was, like, Baker could have easily run for five or six yards and gotten inside yeah. the five-yard line. But he's like, in a great spot. yeah, and he was just like, no, I'm going to throw this ball, and it's going to be a touchdown. Yeah, no, that incredible stuff. Um, so that's, like, our highlights of the season. You know, we yeah. talked about the games. We like to talk about the plays. Yeah. Um, 
what do we want? Do we want to go into stuff we don't like? Do yeah. we want to do we want to do a low lights of the season? <laughs> uh, do well, we? We did talk about. Do we have to as media professionals? Mm, yeah. Um. Well, I don't know. A low light of the season for me would be um, when Jordan Thomas came in at the end of was that the TCU game or the West? No, it was the West Virginia. I'm not, never mind. <laughs> Well, well, I love the seasons when Jordan Thomas fans. came yeah. into the game, <laughs> in all of them. Yeah. yeah. No, mine was when Jordan Thomas made a really good play on special teams, um, okay. and then got pulled, got called in to the game. He got to play a little corner and gave up a pass interference in the end zone. Yep, that was West Virginia for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jordan. Jordan Thomas, man. It's so. I think I'm pretty sure you guys have talked about it before, but it's so crazy that two guys, Jordan Thomas and Baker Mayfield, in the past two years have both played their themselves into the draft positions that they're in yeah and have both just gone complete opposite ends of the yeah. spectrum yeah. are you suggesting that Baker Mayfield monstarred Jordan Thomas I hadn't thought of it till just now <laughs> but Baker might have Jordan's secret stuff in his locker yeah so. yeah no rough rough rough, rough go year. of it yeah. for for Jordan Thomas I feel bad for the guy I, I, can't. Can't. I do I do like cuz I wish it's I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it's difficult to understand how and why it happens. Um, yeah. And there's gotta be there's gotta be an off field thing that yeah. we just don't know about. Yeah, and it's like it's it it doesn't. This isn't Jordan's fault. I can't feel like this is Jordan's fault, right? I I have no idea. I mean, my so you guys know my, one of my favorite things is anecdotes about players off the field. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's I've. I know I've told Alex. I can't remember if I've told Ryan. Oh, about, are you talking? But about I saw you know the tradition is for the OU football players to ride back to Norman on the bus and then go out to the bars in Dallas with all their friends after OU Texas, and I saw him at our hotel uh, the morning after mm-hmm. the OU Texas game, and you know I was like, oh cool, that's Jordan Thomas. Well, one of my friends uh, wasn't. He's definitely not on the Alex Purdy level of recognizing every athlete yeah. and recruit um, without a helmet on. And I do pretty good, but one of my friends doesn't do a great job and so took a long stare at Jordan Thomas when he was in the lobby of our hotel. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Thomas looks at him and says, yeah, it's me in the flesh. You want an autograph or something? And so I think maybe a little bit of that mentality got to Jordan Thomas too much. Yeah. So I am not. I don't think I've actually talked about this on the podcast, but I had a class with Jordan this last semester. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, there was one time when just at the end of the class, somebody was talking to him and he's like, yeah, just another day in the life of Jordan Thomas. So yeah, that's, see, that's, I don't know. Jordan, seems I like feel bad because very pretty soon the days in the life of Jordan Thomas aren't going to be as good as they could have been. Yeah. Right. No, he, he probably should have gone to the draft. He would have got, he would have at least gotten drafted last year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, his draft stock was never going to be... You thought he was going to play himself back into, you know, the, the second first, or third, yeah. maybe even first round yeah. range this year, but yeah. man... I mean, we he... were talking about him as having first round potential at the beginning of this year. No, for sure. I mean, he was projected that way at the beginning of 2016, and just yeah. his play over the last two years have just... has It's steadily just moving him out of consideration yeah. for the draft. I'm sorry. The The popular thing in this podcast is to get distracted by the in-flight entertainment. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about and Alvin Kamara? And Alvin Kamara is... Yeah. Insanely good. Yes. Yeah. How'd that happen, by the way? Because I don't remember I don't him being that great at Tennessee. Oh well, I mean, he, he was, played for I'm, Butch Jones. That's fair. Yeah. yeah why I'll did they? Th- why did he think Much that like Jalen Hurd was? Yeah. yeah. 
Much like playing for uh, Mike Stoops on defense. Yeah, let's just get let's get into it. Let's do okay. it. Wanted to let's talk about, talk Mike, about Stoops. Mike. What a perfect transition this <laughs> yeah. turned out to Thanks, be. Thanks, Alvin. Yeah. Um, so we talked about Mike Stoops last time, um, and let me tell you, folks, nothing's changed in our with our feelings. No, um, there have been, but it has been crazy just yeah. how much just chatter there has been Absolutely. about yeah. whether or not Mike Stoops was gonna be here, whether or not he would take another job. Like, there's just been every rumor you could think of has been yeah. going around. And we don't we don't want to steal the Payside's thunder, so we won't talk specifics. But just like. No, there's all been there really hasn't been anything specific. Well, and there's like I mean, if you go to like just free message boards, there's like fifty page threads about. Well, I heard Mike Stoops was gonna be gone. There was a big rumor on one of the free message boards that Friday was last Friday was the day he would be let go. Yeah, or he was gonna announce that he's leaving. And obviously, nothing's changed. He's yeah. still our defensive coordinator. Yeah, he's become active on Twitter again, which he I know has you have a great point about. I want to I want to talk about his Twitter activity. Um, it's fairly obvious at this point. You know, he doesn't run his Twitter account, but I like to think that he doesn't only run. He has other people that help him. Yeah. But I'm gonna go ahead and just assume that this tweet was from Mike himself. Yeah. Um, so he was inactive on Twitter from January 20th, which was the early signing day, until like January 9th or something was when he tweeted this December tweet. 20th. December 20th. That's what I meant. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, December 20th till about January 9th. And so he comes back after, you know, a couple weeks, of, and they were huge weeks for him. Like, yeah. they got two of their biggest defensive recruits in the of the whole season, and he... Nothing about it. Yeah. No tweets, no like, yay, I'm excited, whatever. Um, but then Drake Stoops decides that, yeah. um, hence, you know, you hear the name. Yeah. Um, Bob Stoops' son, Drake, decides he's going to walk on at Oklahoma and, you know, continue the family name at Oklahoma. And Mike Stoops mm-hmm. breaks his Twitter silence and tweets directly at Drake Stoops. It's great to have you. Two Stoops is always better than one or something yeah. like that. Surprise! Yeah. And so he t- breaks his Twitter silence by committing a recruiting violation. You can't at recruits. You cannot directly tweet at recruits even until when they're your they're nephew. Signed. I'm e- sorry. Even when they're your nephew, yeah. the tweet was quickly deleted because, oh, you're smart enough to do that. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's a good. Um, it just my my. Yeah, students, that's really solid. He, uh, it's pretty much par for the course for Mike. Um, and we, I hypothesized that the tweet. Because we, I think, I read into it, and you did also, that he said two stoops is better than one, kind of saying he's going to be here. Yeah. But I was hoping that maybe he's just so self-aware of the situation that he's is, trolling is, the entire fan base. Oh, is this is this his, um, this is, like, no, this is the argument he's making. Hey, two stoops are better than one, guys. you got to beat me. <laughs> yeah, right? But also it could be, maybe Isaac Stoops is going to be a there, preferred walk-off. There are two stoops brothers. <laughs> There are two of them. There's also a Stoops daughter that goes to OU. I believe Mike Stoops' daughter also goes to OU right now. There's a lot of Stoops around here. There is. Yeah. So he really kind of threw the rest of his family under the bus. I really like the idea of a trolling Mike Stoops. That would be like the only thing. Like I can respect the trolls. So what you're saying is that he should go coach at FAU. Yeah. He should because he can do all the trolling he wants there. 
Um, Can you imagine Lane Kiffin and Mike Stoops rolling up into Norman? Yes. Oh my God! September twenty eighteen with Chris Robinson at quarterback. Oh my gosh! Oh. My favorite thing would be when Mike yells at Lane, and Lane is just like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that would be amazing. Um, but okay, so we we still have a lot we want to say about Mike Stoops and our yeah. defense. We can only assume at this point that he is going to be our defensive coordinator next season. Um, yeah. I, that I, I'm not hopeless in this. I think no, things can still change. Things could still change. Like the guy could just decide he's had enough like in, in leave or something, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's probably about a 70% chance he's back. Yeah. Um, 65%. We'll go with 65. That makes me feel a little bit better. Okay, 65. Um, so I wanted to talk about what we kind of felt like were the best and worst case scenarios for yeah. Mike Soups being back on defense. Because I think all of us are pretty, are fairly certain that we're not going to have a dominant defense under Mike Stoops. Um, no. But what what would your guys' you know, best case scenario for a Mike Stoops defense be? Um, I don't know. To me, the best case scenario is that the defense just never costs us a game in Big 12 play. Like yeah. it's just good and it's good enough mm-hmm. that like even if the offense is having to do a lot of work to stay on top, it like the defense never totally fails us, mm-hmm. um, and we're able to continue to win the Big Twelve. Right. I don't think it will be better than that ever. <laughs> like, uh, I think when in pre-show discussions you use twenty fifteen as a uh, like a high water mark potentially. You don't think we're gonna ever have a defense that good. I think that we can maybe have a defense that is exactly that good and no better. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, I, I wouldn't be, like, super thrilled about it, but I think that that, you know, if we had had that defense this year, we would have won the national yeah. championship. Um, so I think that that is a fair, hopefully, I mean, if he comes back, I hope we can have a defense that good. I agree. I think that's the best case scenario. Yeah. Um, he starts to put are more talented players in a little bit better position. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence. Uh, what would you think is the worst case scenario? And do you have a so best I, case scenario? I guess my best case scenario uh, will lead into Ryan's worst case scenario that we were talking about earlier. Uh, with Oklahoma State firing their defensive coordinator, I there could be the potential for them to make some changes and have a good defense and maybe – that would be the wake-up call to give Mike some sort of self-awareness to, hey, maybe I should change up my defense instead of using the same principles when I had a good defense 15 years ago. Right. So you're proposing a metamorphosis here. I would hope. But your worst-case scenario that involves the Oklahoma State hire, I will, or who they end up hiring... Can I, can I make a real quick I'll go for it. Is that I think that would be incredibly stupid... If that <laughs> if that's the if that's what oh, I, triggers the change, yeah, I don't know why you know giving up records to Texas Tech hasn't triggered the change, or letting Tavon right. Austin run yeah. all over us well, five years ago didn't trigger a change. And I just look at Texas, like Texas was a bad defense under Charlie Strong, yeah, and they came in with a new philosophy this year, and they were a legitimately good defense, yeah, in one year. Players didn't change. Yeah. The philosophy changed. Texas became good on defense. They had some rocky moments, like yeah. the Maryland game was terrible. But overall, they played good defense this year. Uh, so if if that were is what it takes, then 
Mike's too. At yeah. this point, I just well, don't know what it. Remember takes. when we were gonna change scheme this year, and then it turned out that he just lied about that. Yeah, I, I literally have no idea what happened there. I kind of wonder, like, if that was a Bob thing. Bob was like, "This is what I want to do," and then oh yeah, that whenever whenever it turned out that Mike didn't have to answer to him anymore, it was like, "I'm gonna go back to what I was doing," you know. Yeah. I also think maybe that they didn't feel like they could smoothly make the changes quick enough for the Ohio State game. Yeah. So they decided to keep things the same, and they were going to change it yeah. later. Because Mike, just... e- Mike even said some like snarky things about, like, well, thanks for everybody for reporting that we were going to be a one-gap front this year. Like... Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. I, 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 just, I really have no idea what Mike Stoops is thinking at this point, but I just have... Um, you know that's I that would be my guess. Yeah. I would guess that they were gonna change, but it just with the timing, the coaching changes, yeah. and then once the season started, they had Ohio State coming up, mm-hmm. and then there was injuries on defense. We had young guys in weird positions. Like mm-hmm. I think that could could explain why there were no changes defensively. Yeah. So I think worst case scenario is status quo. Right. Okay. Ryan, do you ha- is there yeah. any way that this gets worse? Yeah, so the thing about this is that there's not much further this defense can fall, right? That's, I mean, that's a little misleading um, because our defense was kind of up and down this year, right? Right. Um, really inconsistent in terms of the quality of result, like the percentile performance of the result. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could get worse in that, like, it could just be more consistently down. But, like, just in terms of, like, overall S&P plus rank, like, we are already in the basement. It can't get much worse. Is it possible to delete the Ohio State recap episode where I said that we had a good defense this year? Oh, no. Because I regret that take. <laughs> oh, no. Takes last forever. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about... Or were you done with your point? Um, well, so I was going to say that, like, to me, the problem is not our defense getting worse. It's everybody else in the Big 12 figuring this out while we refuse to do the one thing we have to do to get better. Right. No, I think that's a, a good point because, uh, you know, teams are going to... And, like, another thing is our defense, If even if it stays the same, like, we're never going to have an... Well, even though we talked about we might have an <laughs> offense like this, but our offense this year was well-equipped to handle yeah. a defense like this, and it just might not happen again, Yeah. you know? Um, in that way, like if if our offense isn't as good as it is this year, we probably lose two or three games. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. or three, which three or four. Yeah, and just to clarify, what we're saying there is, if our offense isn't the best offense of the playoff era, possibly the best offense of the last thirty years, we lose three or four more games. Yeah, two or three, no, three or four. Yeah, that's that's definitely a big concern. Um, one thing I'll say about you know talking about how the defense was up and down. And I think part of, you know, there's been some time, and people, this is what drives me crazy about Mike Stoops, is that people tend to, like, make excuses for him that you just don't see very often for pretty much anyone else. Yeah. And they talk about, you know, they cite the TCU games as great performances, Ohio State, great performances. And I'm not so sure that those were great performances. Um, yeah, there were some questionable decisions made. Yeah, by those teams. If you look at the Ohio State game, you know I don't think you know I think Ohio State probably could have been a little bit more effective if they had run the ball more consistently. Mm-hmm. They tried to let J T. Barrett throw because 
He's statistically a really good passer. He was horrendous throwing the ball that night. Yeah. Like there were passes that were just nowhere near anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not so much. I'm not so sure how much credit you give your your defense in that kind of situation when it seemingly was just a bad game plan for Ohio State. Yeah, like the defense played well, but I don't think it was as good as it seemed. And then if you look at the TCU games, like a large reason why those games were kind of our defense looked so good is because our offense kind of just killed them. You know, like yeah. they're kind of. Their will to win the game, I guess. You know, it was just yeah. our offense like, just kind of made it like yeah. Well, we what's talked. The point? We talked at the beginning of the game, like Gary Patterson is really quick to give up on games, like yeah. And he did. He definitely did in the Big Twelve Championship game, like yeah. And at the ha- halftime, like it was a close game at halftime, the Big Twelve Championship game. Yeah. You know, and their offense moved the ball really effectively in that first half. Yeah. Second half, not so much. But if you look at it, like they're. A stupid Kenny Hill bootleg call. Yeah. You know, if they keep that drive going and score a touchdown, that game might be completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, but they call a stupid bootleg, and that lets us get enough separation to where they they just kind of were like, well, crap. We're done. Yeah. You know, we can't stop them. So, I don't know. I'm not so sure even our good defensive performances can be looked at as, you know, things that you could look for in terms of positive for the future. Yeah. Because I just, I just don't know, man. I think I, I, I'm kind of hopeless in terms of us being any, like really good at this point with Mike as the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, Have we gotten it all out? Last thing I want to say is that I really, really enjoy the talent that OU is starting to, Put together, especially on defense. Defensively, the 2018 recruiting class is great. Yeah. Like, do we need to talk about Buki more? No, we don't. Okay. But what we need to talk about is it makes me so overwhelmingly sad <laughs> whenever I think about the talented players we have coming in being fit into a defense designed by Brent Venables. Oh, man. Why did you do that to me? I'm sorry, guys. I want all of you guys to join me in misery. We all should feel bad. We all should. Um, Because we all, I think every single person listening to this podcast was probably ready to be done with Brent Venables by the time he left Oklahoma the first time. Or whenever he left Oklahoma for Clemson. Yeah. Because we were like, oh, we'll, we'll get Mike back. We love Mike Stoops. He's fantastic. Um, and if you got you got to look back at what Brent Venables did. You know, mm-hmm. that 2011 season was really the year that people just decided they were done with him. And you got to evaluate the bad defensive performances from that season. Let's look at the Texas Tech game that year. The famous ending of the home winning streak mm-hmm. where our defense did look pretty bad. But that was largely due to the fact that we had a pretty major injury at corner and Gabe Lynn was just horrible that mm. game. They just yeah. picked on that matchup pretty much the whole time. Um, we got picked apart by Robert Griffin III because, you know, he was the Heisman Slime. winner. <laughs> yeah. There were there was also an incredible fluke. He wasn't play. Kyle Kempt. No, he was not a backup quarterback walk-on. No, it was Robert Griffin III, and he threw a miracle pass. He did. And there, you know, the play to Kendall Wright over the middle that bounced off dudes and he catches it, scores a touchdown. Just weird stuff happened in that game. 
And then, yeah, we got lit up by Oklahoma State. But if you look at that, like, they lit everybody yeah, up. Yeah, everybody got lit up by that. And our offense played a huge role in getting lit up because Landry Jones just, like, dropped the football once and they scored defensive touchdown. Like, yeah, there was a lot going on yeah. in that game. That was the best Oklahoma State team that has pretty much ever existed. Yeah, that, yeah, the best Oklahoma State team of all time. Brandon Whedon at quarterback, Justin Blackman. National title contender, Oklahoma State. They legitimately were. Like, they yeah. were a legitimate national yeah. title the contender. The fact that they weren't in that game is the reason there's a playoff now. Like Right. And, you know, Ryan Broyles was out of that game. That hurt our offense, making our defense look even worse. They were put in some bad situations. And that was the performance. And then you look, like, look at the bowl game. Our defense was great in the bowl game that year. Yeah, you know we were playing. We were playing Iowa, but <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, like, we missed it, man. We missed our like. We should have appreciated Brent Venables. Bob Stoops should have appreciated what he had in Brent Venables. Yeah. You shouldn't know? have. He um, shouldn't have hired his brother. Yeah, um, I. <laughs> I think, and I don't think this is a hot take. With it makes it more acceptable to have this bad defense when you have the incredible offense because you still win the game. Yeah, and the takes aren't as inflammatory against the defense if you lose to Oklahoma State 52-35 to right? instead of being 62-52. Yeah. Right, absolutely. You can, you know, let Patrick Mahomes set records on you as long as you win the game, apparently. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I just, it's it sucks because I'm not saying Brent Venables would, our defenses probably wouldn't be as good as they are at Clemson because they have unbelievable talent. Yeah, that, that they school. can just convince to stay. That yeah, they they've legitimately convinced two top ten picks to come back to school for no reason at all. It makes zero sense. Yeah. The dumbest thing I've ever seen. Dabo Sweeney sucks. Hate that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah. He told his players that NFL coaches were on the back half of their career and they were all downhill. <laughs> so yeah. Can... Oh my God! Hey, uh, the Vikings just won. The Vikings did oh it. Oh my God! Um, that was a uh, that was a touchdown as time ran, ran out. That How? and they got the minus five on me, so I lost the sports bet just now. But I love it because I wanted the Vikings to win. Oh my God! That was incredible. I, this isn't good podcast material right now, but I that's fine. Fast forward. Two minutes. Yeah, we'll give us we're two just going to talk about this for a little bit. I thought he was going to run out of bounds because he was in field goal range, but then there was just nobody there. There's Sam Bradford smiling it up, wearing a baseball cap. Ah, uh, we, oh, we, Sam. We brought it back to Oklahoma football. Yeah. How does that happen? Well, That's let's worse find than, out. like, the Georgia thing. Oh, you can't do that. What oh, are you no, doing? Oh, my goodness. Was he trying to keep him in bounds there? I guess. Number 43 for the Saints. He, he goes in, immediately. he goes in, he just tries to put his shoulder in a guy, he gets that? jumped over. Yeah. My goodness. Oh my god. What an ending to a football game. That is incredible. That's like a college level horrible mistake that you yeah. don't see. He also NFL. he took out the only guy who could have pursued him. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. Case, Case Keenum does like, not even oh believe it. <laughs> okay, so, guys, we are sorry, but that was incredible. Yeah, no. Marcus Williams, a rookie Yo. out of Utah, yeah. rookie safety out of Utah. He is to blame oh, my for the Saints. <laughs> this incredible is, yeah. loss. This is now an NFL call-outs podcast. 
to relate it back to OU football again, the reason that the Saints got back into this game was McKenzie Alexander, oh, my oh, least God. favorite former Clemson quarterback. Yeah. So. Um, um, but, we were talking about Brent Venables and uh, Dabo Swinney. Yeah. And, I just but I just think about you know Brent if you give Brent Venables, Ronnie Perkins, Ron Tatum, and these guys, Jalen Redmond, like he's going to devise a really really good defense around that. And mm-hmm. I am not, I am almost most of me thinks that the, these guys are going to be played out of position or out of in the wrong scheme for the next four years. Yeah, and they're going to be like, well, I thought these guys were going to be really big difference makers, but they weren't. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, the fear of wasting this talent we're getting is very... It's real. Yeah. yeah. Just think about how little Caleb Kelly did this year. And yeah. And then just, just that's going to be Buki. That's going to be... And we have one more year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. God. <laughs> we should end it there. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our Vikings football podcast. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank you for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Uh, this has been our season recap. Um, it's been a wild, wild ride. But we're here at the end of it with you. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or Podbean. Um, you can follow the podcast at Oklahoma underscore Drill on Twitter. Follow us individually at RW Maxi, at Alex B. Birdie, and at Not That Sam Davis. Um, that'll about do it. Um, you guys um, enjoy watching the Vikings play. Who are the Vikings going to be playing in the AFC Championship? What? The, the NFC Championship? Uh, who played yesterday? Oh, the, the Eagles. Eagles. The Eagles. So the Vikings young. have a legitimate chance to make it to the Super Bowl in their home yeah. stadium. Well, how I about love that? that? Yeah, that'll be Vikings, Jaguars. Yeah, Super Bowl quarterback Case Keenum is a thing that we all predicted at the beginning yep. of this year. My goodness. All right, and we're out.